Pastor Adam Lavecki here. This is a sermon live from Rescue Church. We hope it blesses you. So today the topic is uh, disappointment. So uh, yeah, that's the that's the title for today. And and you know I've I've been like I've been in a season where you know for a while I just kind of been like if I could be quite honest like going through it a little bit you know going through it with certain things and uh, you know some people call it a a dry season, some people call it a desert season, you know, but when you go through those seasons, it's like you know what to do as a Christian, as someone that, that's, that's been serving God for, for a little bit, you kind of like, you know what to do. Sometimes it's, it's just a matter of doing it. And you know, I said, I'm gonna go back to the basics. When you, when you get like that, I said, I'm gonna go back to the basics. When, when you get in those seasons, number one is like intimacy, my int- intimacy with God. I said, that has, to, that has to increase, all right, intimacy, number one. Number two, like, am I, am I spending time with my wife? Am I praying with my wife? Number three, how is my responsibility with my children? So I said, all right, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to, you know, seek God more, whether if I'm not on my face more, just to be, just seek him, seek him more, whether I'm on my way to work, because I'm on the move a lot. So whatever you do, just seek God more. Right. Try to try to listen to his voice more. And one of the things that that I felt like I heard the Lord say is that in this season that I'm going to have to be able to discern, discern what he's doing. Like, for, for an example, when you're going to get when you get a word just to to preach a word instead of like, you know, like waiting and listening. And you, there's times where he'll tell you what to speak. You have to discern by your spirit what to speak. There's, there's, there's things that, there's situations that you have to discern what, what is God saying. And uh, one of the things that I was, I was like, you know, I felt like God wanted me to do was read more with my son. So at night, I began to, to read the Bible with my son every single night, no matter what time I come home. And now it's like becoming repetition, it's becoming habit. I'm coming home and like, I don't care if it's like, you know, it's 8.30, 9 o'clock. How do I shut this thing up? Oh my goodness, I'm getting like messages right now. I thought I put it on airplane mode. Let me see. So I don't care if it's nine o'clock at night. When I get home, you know, some parents are like, ah, you know, he's gotta be in bed, he's got school tomorrow. But I have to, and that's true, he does have school. But if I don't do that as a father, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna be responsible for the outcome later on. So as I begin to read with him every night, now he's excited. He's like, hey, dad, you know, we're going to read. And if I read one story, I'm like, there's only time for one story. Now, come on, can we read two? Then we read two. Then we read three. And then now it's like, as I'm reading with him, it's a children's book. God is speaking to me while I'm reading this children's book. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. So I, I had to, you know, pastor told me I was going to speak. And I haven't even spent time with, with the Lord as to what is it you want to talk about as I'm stepping up and fulfilling my role as a father, as we're reading a children's Bible, the Holy Spirit says, when you go open up the scriptures, I want you to read this story and go into this. Read about this a little more because the, the children's Bible is not as detailed, but he told me where to go, what to search, what's, and I'm like, wow. And through spending time with my son, what, what happened? By the Spirit, I discerned what I was going to talk, what the topic was going to be today. And then I was able on my time to go read the Bible. And I was able, and I was like, wow, God, you're so good. You're so good. And then when I, and then when I see what the word that was highlighted to me, which is, which is the word delay, 
when you get into the root of it, the, one of the words, the meanings of it is disappointment. And then you see like one of the other words that define it is, is there's shame attached to it. Then you see that one of the other words that's de that defines it is dry. And I'm like, dang. And I'm like, God, because God will minister to you before you go minister to someone else. Like, you know, he, he'll deal with you first at, at home. If you're going to speak and you're going to speak and you're going to represent God, he's going he's gonna to deal with you privately before you go talk to somebody else. So, so I was like, wow, God, you're so good. Thank you. And um, so like today, I just hope this word is, is, is really like helps. I hope that, it, you know, it, it hit home and uh, we're able to uh, move forward. I don't know if anyone's disappointed or going through disappointment or dealing with disappointment privately or, you know, I, I hope this is for you. And maybe if you're not going through that, then, hey, maybe you could pick something out else out through this topic here. So we're going to be in uh, Exodus 32 and I'm going to I'm going to read through the whole passage. And then afterwards, I'm going to hit some, some points. So, uh, so, yeah, this is when Israel goes and they make, and they make the golden calf. So, so Exodus, 32, Exodus 32, verses 1. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed, that's the word, delayed, coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods that, we shall, that shall go before us for... For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So pay attention real quick to the part where it says the people gathered together to Aaron. So you right there that that shows you have to be careful who you gather with. You have to be careful who you gather with. You have to be careful about the topic, the topics that are being spoken of when you gather. Because there, there's, there's topics that are fruitful, there's topics that are going to add to your life, and there's topics that are going to lead you astray. So now, these people gathered, they were talking, they go to Aaron, and now they, they want to make gods. They want to make gods. These are people that were slaves to give them some, I don't want to give them credit, but like, you know, we have to, there's still a human element of it. They were, they were in bondage for 400 years. You know, but these guys have seen miracles. They've seen God delivered them from, from, from Egypt with a mighty hand, a strong arm. They've seen the Red Sea part. They've seen all the ten different plagues that came against the gods, judging the, the gods of Egypt. They've seen manna come down from heaven. They've seen a, a rock split and water come out of it. They've seen miracle after miracle. They've seen when they were hungry coming out, that they've seen quails fall from the sky. I mean, but now they've seen fire by night. They've seen a cloud by day. So they've seen the presence of God, you know, on them. But now they're at a mountain. Moses has went up into this mountain, and now he's up in this mountain. But now they don't, they don't do a good job waiting. The mountain signifies government. He's up there. He's getting the, the, the you know, the, the details on how the tabernacle is going to be. He went up there prior. He got the, the Ten Commandments and all the laws. But now he's up there and, he, and, and they have this idea, they have these preconceived notions as to how, how quick he should come back, how fast God should move. And in those days when they made idols, they believed that the idol, when they would make an idol, would carry the spirit of that God. So now they've seen, they seen God leading them and now they don't see God leading them because they're stuck. Sometimes we have to pull this home. Sometimes as Christians, we want to keep it moving. We want to go. We want to go. God, lead me here, lead me here, lead me here, take me there. Right? We want the leading of God, but when we pause, are we discerning his spirit? When we pause, 
Do, are we, do we want to stand still enough and know that he's God? Because it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like they, they, they saw God leading them, but they didn't know that God was hovering over them. Because, see, God was, was over them. The glory of God was on that mountain. The glory of God was ho- hovering over them, but they couldn't see it. Now, sometimes I think we, us as Christians, we have, to, we have to discern by the Spirit, as I was talking about before, when to go, how we're being led, and when to stand still and just allow God to be God. And just sometimes, you know, you remember the down Thomas? He said, you know, I have to stick my fingers in. I have to see. He wanted to see. He said, blessed is, is he who doesn't see yet still believes. Sometimes, you know, we serve a God who's invisible. We don't see him face to face right now. But if you look at your life and you look at what God has done and you see the testimonies and the marks of God in your life, if you see what God has done with your children, if you've seen what God has done with, with your spouse, if you've seen what God has done in your own personal life, what he dragged you out of, what he's bringing to, to you, the doors he's opening up for you, people that he's put in your life, relationships. Sometimes I think that there's a human element where we kind of forget quickly what God has done. And we don't look at, what the, we don't look at the now. We like look at our condition right now and we forget. And when we forget, we, we, we tend to drift. So, so that's what's happening to these people right now. And um, so they wanted to make gods. They wanted to make gods to go before them. And, you know, they forgot about Moses. They forgot, you know, they, they didn't trust God. It's like, you know, everything Moses did, you know, as an instrument for the Lord for them, they just quickly forgot. It's like, yo, he parted the Red Seas. He was like, like he worked with God. He was the vessel. And now you can't trust him to be up in that mountain for 40 days. You know, you don't, if he says he's coming back, he's coming back. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings. This is crazy because this is his own brother and he doesn't even put up a fight. He says, he said to them, break off your golden earrings, which are in, your, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. Now, these earrings, they, they signify bondage. They signify slavery. Right. So he's he's telling the people that God just set free to give them the, the instrument that's, that signifies bondage to bring them back into bondage, which is crazy. So now all the people broke off the, the golden earrings, which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool. It's crazy because he's kind of like he it's like he's done this before. And he molded a calf. Then he said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And when he saw and when he saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation. Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. That word Lord is the is the is the is the name of of God, is the the name of the God of Israel. So like now they're bringing a mixture. They're bringing a mixture from what they, they got in Egypt. And now they're trying to mix God. And you see that a lot with some churches today. They're mixing. And, and that's, not, that's not true Christianity. Then they rose up early the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat, to drink, and they rose up to play. That word rose up to play is, is, like, is like them like not doing, like, it's like sexual morality. It's a lot of like funny stuff going on in that word right there. And in verse 7, it says, Mose, The Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I have commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it 
and sacrificed to it and said, this is your God over Israel that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So that's disrespectful because in chapter 20, they already received the, the commandments. They knew that, you know, you worship no other God but, but the God of Israel. You should not make any, any images of, of God or anything of heaven. So like they went and they just totally, they accepted it. They said, yes, we received that. And now they, very quick, they're, they're, they're going back. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed they are stiff-necked, which means that they're, they're like, they're hard. They're not easy. They're not easy people. Now, therefore, let me alone and let my wrath may burn hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make you a great nation. Now, this had to be some little, a little bit of a, this could be a little temptation for somebody because now God is telling them, let my wrath, leave me alone so my wrath can burn against them and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Now, now look at Moses' response. Response. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord. If you're going to be someone that ministers to, for the people of God, you have to have a heart for the people of God. It can't be about you. It has to be for the people of God because at the end of the day, they're his people. So if, if, if you're struggling with that, we, ha we have to turn that to prayer and say, God, help us to have your heart for your people. Then Moses pleaded with the, pe with the Lord and said, God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land? of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians speak? And he's concerned about the reputation of God. So, so now he's saying, God, it's like God's not delusional. He knows that he brought them out with a mighty hand, but he's like reminding them like, hey, they're your people. You brought them out with a, with a strong arm. They're your people. What about the Egyptians? He's concerned about the reputation of God. As believers, sometimes we have to be mindful about who we represent and how we live other people see and how we conduct ourselves, other people see. And, and he was he was worried about like people were going to associate that with 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 him. He didn't want God to have a bad reputation. So he said, uh, we should. Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out of out to harm them and then kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land I, that I have spoken of, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it. So he's reminding him about the promises that he's made. So today the Lord, so sorry, my, my iPad is acting up right now. So the Lord relented from harm, from the harm which he said he would do to his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two tables, and the two tablets, excuse me, from the testimony were in his hand, and the tablets were written on both sides, and on one side and the other side they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, so God wrote on these tablets himself, and the writing of God was engraved on these tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise, so now he's going down the mountain, and Joshua was there, so Joshua wasn't with the people. Joshua was by the mountain. So when Joshua heard the noise and the people, as they shouted, he said, Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But Moses said, that's not the shout of victory, nor is that the, the cry of defeat, but that's the sound of singing I hear. So now he recognized, like, hey, listen, if that was war, there would be either a, a shout for victory or there's going to be, like, some like a, some morning because we lost, you know? So he's like, that's not that. He said, but that's singing I hear. So as soon as they came down near the camp, he saw that the calf, he saw the calf and the dancing. So now Moses became angry. So now he's, he's 
experiencing what God was seeing. Sometimes you hear something, and when you hear something, it's not as effective as, as when you see it with your own eyes. It's like, you know, like if you, us as the bride of, of, of God, he's jealous for us. You know, so like you, it's one thing you ever hear somebody doing something, you see it with your own eyes, it's going to be, it's, got, it's like it sticks you a little more. So he came down and he became hot. So now he's like experiencing what, what, what God was experiencing. And then he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Now, right here, you see that now this caused what was inside to come out of Moses. Now, what he had, he had a little bit of an anger issue. And you see that he wasn't able to walk into the promised land because he never dealt with his anger issue. God told him to speak to the rock. He struck the rock. And for that, he, that was what caused him to never walk into the land. So right now, he's, this is like showing like, you know, sometimes God will use people to highlight what's, what still needs to get ministered to inside of you. Then he took the calf, which they had made, and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder. And he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. That's kind of like, gangster right there. Like, it's, like, it's like making someone swallow a bullet. Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, like that idol was going to cause you death here. Come over here. You're going you're gonna to drink this. Take that. Yeah, and Moses said to Aaron, said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Now, Aaron, this is Aaron's his response is crazy. So Aaron said, do not let your do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. He's like, you know, the people are set on evil. This reminds me of the garden. You remember like. Like when they when they fell and they disobeyed God, he's like, yo, it's this woman you gave me. Like, you know, like, like, yo, you know, you know, she's, she's got issues, you know, like it's like <laughs> it's like, yo, it's these people, these people are crazy. Like, you know, like there's no accountability whatsoever. And he <laughs> it's crazy. He says, For for you know that they're set on evil, for they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of them. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. You see that, how the story switches? Any gold. He specifically asked for their, for their earrings, but now he's saying any gold. So now when, when, when you disobey God, you see that there's like a seed that comes in and, and it's a lie. And now the story's not straight. He said, break it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire and this calf came out as bananas right there. Like, like, yo, like I threw it in and this calf just came out. Like, you know, when the scripture says that he was like chiseling away, he fashioned it. You know, he might have been thinking his brother was up there a little too long himself, you know. So when they came to him, he didn't put up a fight. There was no resistance. There was no he was in a position. He was the mouthpiece for 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 God, because. You know, when Moses left Egypt, and, and the Bible says that, that he was raised, that he was well in his speech, he, was, he spoke well, he was raised up in all the things pertaining to Egypt. And when he left, after he, he killed that man, and he, turned, he saw that they turned against him, he was in the wilderness for like 40 years. He was gone. He went somewhere else. And in those 40 years, he broke to the point where God called him. He's like, yo, I can't even speak straight. He didn't even trust the fact that he can talk good enough. And then he was like, you know, vouching for his brother. Use my brother. He could speak better than me. 
You know, he'll, he'll, you know, so like he was like, all right, guys, like, all right, you know, you don't trust me yet, I'll use your brother. But this guy was like the, the, you know, this guy was the second man in charge. He was right there with all the miracles. He was right there when he brought him out. He was right next to Moses and he didn't put up a fight. In fact, he, that's why he's saying, what did, what did they do to you that you would lead them in such great sin? So his job was to lead them while he was gone. And he led them into sin, which is crazy. And then, you know, it's, uh, you know, God still used them, but it's just, it's just crazy. And it could show, like, as, as, as we drift, as we drift, as we allow disappointment, as we allow delays, as we allow to, to our eyes to get off of God, we allow the enemy to come in. It's like a doorway for the enemy to come in to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and you could be serving God one day, and the next day you could be an instrument for the devil. So we have to always, that's why every day, every day, every day, we have to come to, to the Lord. Every day we have to kill our flesh. Every day we have to deny ourselves. Now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, which means that they were out of control, they were completely wild, for Aaron had not restrained them. So it was his job to lead them and it was his job to keep them under control. And he, and he failed in both those areas. To their shame among their enemies. So now the people of God that, that are supposed to be a light onto the nations are now acting shamefully in front of the nations. When they see, you see later on in, in the Bible, when they go to, when they send the two spies into Jericho, you, see, you already see that in Jericho, they had a testimony of what God already did to the, to the cities before them. And it says that their heart melted. So there was already a reputation of what God was doing through these people. But now they're looking crazy and they're misrepresenting God. They're, 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 they're doing like, like sexual morality. They're running around dancing naked. They're acting crazy. They're, they're acting just like every, everyone around them. The Canaanites, all those other people around them. They were no different from the world. And then Moses stood at the entrance of the camp and he said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. So now what does Moses do? Moses does what Aaron was supposed to do. Now he comes and he takes charge of the situation and confronts the situation. He says, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. Look what happens. And when he said that right away, and all the sons of Levi, those were the priests, came and gathered themselves to him. And he said to him, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from the entrance and entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother. That's strong words. Every man kill, every man kill his companion and every man kill his neighbor. So that the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And about 3,000 men fell. So 3,000 people fell that day. There was about 3 million people. So 3,000 people fell. So those 3,000 people that probably fell were the people that were like, no. They wanted to keep serving that idol. So like when you have, when, when some people, you know, when you have cancer, you got to cut it out. You got to cut it out or what, what happens? It'll take over the whole, the whole group. If they, didn't, if they didn't remove those people, if those people didn't repent and turn the other way, they would infect it, the whole group. That's why they had, strict, they had strict orders when they were moving forward, when they were going to take over these, these, these territories. God said, when you, when you, because he knows how guys are, you're going to see these women, and you're going to like them. They're going to look good. I'm paraphrasing, doesn't say that, but he's saying, don't, 
Don't take them as a wife. Because why? They're going to lead you astray and have you worship their gods. And that's kind of like a type and shadow of this right here. So that they couldn't move forward into the promised land with these people. Then Moses said, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. For every man has opposed his son and his brother. Now it came to pass on the next day. That sounds like when Jesus, when they were like, you know, your mom's here. He's like, who's my mother? Who's my brother? It's very, it's very similar. Now it came to pass the next day that Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord and perhaps I can make atonement for your sins. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you would forgive their sin, but if not, I pray that you blot me out of your book, which you have written. It's like a type and shadow of Jesus. Moses, Moses may have had a little bit of an anger issue, but he loved God's people. He, was, he, loved his, he loves God's people when he, when he found out he was an Israelite himself. When he struck that man for assaulting an Israelite, he had a heart for God's people, but he was, through, he was going through process, and he's still going through process here. He's willing to lay down his own life and sacrifice his eternity for the sake of the people. That's a type and shadow of Jesus. He said, Moses is not worthy. Only Jesus was. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out. It's like, it's like all right, like, I appreciate that. But like, whoever sinned against me, I will blot him out. Now, therefore, go and lead the people to a place which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day I will visit, I will visit for punishment. And I will visit for punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people. It doesn't get specific as to what type of plague they... But there was like a consequence for, for that action. It wasn't, it wasn't not dealt with. But um, so we're going to go to the notes. All right. So. So the all right. So the Hebrew word you see says, uh, can you see that? Well, and I know I'm short, so you can probably see it right over me. But uh, the Hebrew word delayed is the word. Um, busha busha means to be disappointed or delayed to cause shame or become dry. So now it says, these are, these are my points I'm gonna hit on. So delay can cause us to take matters into our own hands instead of trusting God. So there's, we were talking about waiting on the Lord. We're not supposed to move until we get the green light, right? Because when we move prematurely, it's gonna cost us more pain. And if you think that the Delay was, was bad before, it's going to delay you longer. If you think the disappointment was tough, it's going to disappoint you more. So trust God. Trust God. Don't move till he gives you the green light. Delay can be an instrument of unbelief because it's rooted in not trusting God. So if you, trust, if you don't trust God, that's, that's unbelief. And, how, and one of the ways we please God, one of the ways we operate with God is through through faith. And faith is rooted in trust. You can't have faith in, in something that you, you don't trust. So delay can cause us to forget what God has done. We spoke about everything that God did for, the, for, for Israel, everything that he did from, from delivering them from the, from the hands of Pharaoh with a, with a strong arm. They left, they left getting like a lot of gold. 
So like all those years of slavery, they came out of there with compensation. They didn't come out of there with nothing. They came out of there with a lot, a lot. They didn't come out of there broke. It's like God was making right. God was bringing his justice. So it's like delay can cause us to forget what God has done for us. Sometimes when we get in that place, we have to remember, go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. Remember where you were before you said yes to God. Remember what he did for you after. Remember where he met you. Remember that you weren't too, too dirty. Remember that you weren't too, too broken. Remember your life prior to him and, and where it is now. Don't forget. Don't forget what he's done in, in the life of the people around you. Delay can cause us to forget what God has done. Let's not be that person. Preconceived notions can lead to disappointment. How do we apply this to us today? You know, sometimes we come to the Lord and we have these ideas of how God is going to work in our lives. Sometimes we come and, and we say, God's going to do this, God's going to do that. You know, and, and it, sound, it sounds good to you, but it probably doesn't work that way. It's like, and then when it doesn't work that way for you, what do you have? You can have offense, you can have disappointment, and then you get mad at God, and then what do you do? You walk away. It's like, sister so-and-so didn't do this, brother so-and-so didn't do that. You know, the uh, pastor didn't shake my hand, deacon didn't do this. Like, you know, like you can have these, because you have, you come to the Lord, and you, you know, like you think of the church, like, yeah, this is a, a place of rescue, this is a place of hope, this is a place of, of freedom, liberty, but then you, you, you come and like people will disappoint you. But God won't. God's faithful. So don't come with preconceived notions. Don't come with these ideas of how, how things are going to work in your life. Allow God to lead you. Allow God to, to guide you. Allow God to, to encourage you. Allow God to strengthen you. And then you'll see that in the process, as you stay close to him, you'll see that he'll use people around you to, to move, help move you forward. Because this is a walk that is not supposed to be alone. Disappointment. Unchecked can lead to bad decisions. So if you feel disappointed, like, like say, Holy Spirit, where is that coming from? Show me the root of that disappointment and, and, and teach me how to deal with it. Show me how to deal with it. If I can't deal with it myself, show me who I'm supposed to bring this to so to help me walk through this. Because, you know, at the end of the day, not, every, not everything you go through is for everybody. There's, there's certain people that are supposed to help walk you through certain things. Certain things are supposed to be private. Like, my pastor doesn't come to me like, yo, I'm, you know, I, I could be a deacon in the church or whatever, and, and, like, I'm one of his best friends. He don't come to me for, like, yo, yo, I'm going through it right now. No, he has a pastor. I go to him. You know, so you have to, there's, there's, there is an order to things. There is an order to things. Disappointment can lead us into idolatry. That's the, that's the point, like, Maybe we're not making a calf. Maybe we're not doing stuff like that today. But what is it that, that is an idol in your life? Maybe God checked me on, on football multiple times. Honestly, he's checked me on football multiple times. I've caught myself looking on my team that's so garbage, looking at my team, spending a lot of research, seeing what's going on. I hadn't picked up my Bible. That's an idol. I remember when my wife and I were, were looking for a house. We were looking for a house. We looked every day for like a year looking for a home. We sit next to each other, don't even talk to each other on the phone, on Zillow, looking at like, like two crazy people. Like, and then the only time we, we would talk to each other when we, we found something. You like that one? You like that one? It's crazy. It's an idol. Where was the prayer life together? If you spun that much time praying together, you would have had your, 
your house like <laughs> maybe three months prior to it. You know, you wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a year. We realized, we come to our senses, we realized this isn't right. So we repented, we said, we're not even gonna look. How we found our home, we come out of a prayer meeting one night, she got like a, a thing to, in our phone and that's the house we live in now. We didn't, we didn't, we stopped idolizing it. It wasn't, it wasn't first. It didn't have the first place anymore. And when it didn't have first place anymore, God opened the door. I'm giving like practical examples of what idolatry can look like today for us. So disappointment can lead us into idolatry. We went for almost four years wanting a kid, praying for a kid, trying to have a kid, you know, like it wasn't like we were, we were trying. Lost a baby, lost a baby, have to navigate through that disappointment, you know? Never trying to, never blaming God, but deep down inside, you're like, yo, what's up? It's real life. Going to this sick place, RMA, all the time, getting blood work and all types of stuff, weird hours. What happened? That became an idol in our life. God addressed some stuff. When we addressed some stuff, the very first month, we repented. We, I'm telling you, we straight up repented. God blessed us. She was pregnant. And she didn't miscarry that time. There's, there's, there's things, there is a spiritual thing. There's a, there's a connection with this. Don't let other things rule you. Don't let whatever it is that you're going through rule you and govern what goes on inside of you. It's, it's the peace of God that, 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 that should rule inside you. Don't let other things get more of you than, than what Jesus, if Jesus isn't getting that, then it's an idol. Idolatry produces, produces shame. So what happens? You go through, you start, you start taking your eyes off Jesus. You start to drift. You start to entertain other things. When you start to entertain other things, you're shameful because you're carrying the shame because you know what you should be doing. You're not doing it. And then what happens? You begin to hide from God more. And you, when the more you keep yourself from, from God, the more dry you get. In, in the spirit, the spirit is, 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 is significant to water. Water that fills you up. Water that you overflow with. Out of the belly flows river of what? Living water. If you stay filled up, you flow. When, you don't, when you're not filled up, everyone knows it. You know how many people say, yo, you're all right? And I know when they're saying I'm all right, like, yeah, bro, I need to, <laughs> you know, I need to, I need to go check myself right now. I have to get in the presence of God because other people are seeing it. Other people are seeing it, and these, and these are my family. So it's not like some stranger in the street. Your family, you're around them, they know, they know what's up. So shame will cause us to hide and become dry. In verse 1, we, the Bible says, we don't know what has become of him referring to Moses. As people of God, when we don't know, we don't move. You saw that they wanted to move without knowing what happened. The man that, that, that God used as an instrument to lead them out, he wasn't there. They wanted to move without him. They forgot that they only got there because God used that man. Don't move until you have a word from the Lord. Moses carried the word of the Lord. They tried to move without the word of the Lord. You cannot move without the rhema word of God. The now spoken word of God has to be there or else you don't move. As a people of God, we have to, we have to remind ourselves of that because our brains are, if your brain is like mine, my brain is tough. So... Delays are just an opportunity to practice patience. It sounds, it sounds easy. It's not easy. Waiting is one of the hardest things you could do. 
Some people, what does that look like today? Some people are waiting on a spouse. Some people are waiting on children. Some people are waiting on a breakthrough in finances. Some people are waiting for their debts to, to get canceled. Some people are waiting for God to, to move in their lives in a way they want to, they want to change where they live, their, their vocation. They, you know, they're just waiting, right? Whatever that looks like. In the waiting, there, there's two things. The Bible describes the word waiting as, as there's an expectation, but it's, it's cheerful. It's a joy. Why is there a joy attached to it? Because you know that he's worthy, you know that he's faithful, and you know that you could trust him, so it's already a sealed deal. It's just a matter of time. His time is not like our time, so in the process, we have to guard our hearts, and we have to ask God to strengthen us, and we have to just um, be mindful that he's going to move when the time is right. Sometimes there's prayers that we have in life that if God would have answered them, it would have not been good for us. I think about some of the things I asked, for, I asked God for, and they were premature, and they were out of alignment, and I thank that he didn't, that he didn't give me those blessings. So disappointment navigated incorrectly will lead to more disappointment. We were talking about that before, and that's kind of in, in alignment with, uh, with waiting. So when we were going through disappointment, who do, you, who do we bring that disappointment to? First, we bring it to God, and then we bring it to trusted people that he put in our life. They're there for a reason. The first month I repented of my, my sin, and I really, really, really confessed my sin, and I gave... And I gave my life to God wholeheartedly. A month later, I met my pastor. A month later. I don't think that's coincidental. It was in a prophetic school. I didn't even know what the prophetic was. I just knew I needed Jesus. I knew I needed God. So anything that, that, that represented Jesus and God, I wanted to be there because I knew I couldn't go back to where God delivered me from. I knew that I was done. I knew that I loved the people that I rode with, but I knew that there was nothing. There was no fruit there. A lot of my friends are dead. They're not around no more. And if I would have been with them, I probably would have been right there with them, dead. But God will put the people necessary in your life at the right time. Ask God to give you eyes to see who they are and learn to cling to those people. And uh, you'll see that when, when, when you do, that they're, when, when God entrusts you with people, he'll give you more people. All right, so, so when we have that... that those people that we bring it to were able to, to navigate that disappointment. When I say navigate, navigate is navigate. It means it's like a vehicle, right? Those people will help us maneuver through whatever we're going through, help us deal with the root of what we're going through, and help us get through what we're going through to get us to the other side. Our expectation in God, our expectation is in a God who is faithful, so we can wait cheerfully. I know it sounds corny, but, but in the waiting, it's, it's not easy, so if, it's, if you're going through it, say, God, help me to, to wait cheerfully. Lately, I know that like, there's been like a, a lack of joy in my life. Now, that's not true. What do I say? That's not true. It might be evident in myself, but it's not true because the, the Word of God says that, that, that He gives us joy, that our joy may be full. So there's full joy that we have access to. There's full peace that we have access to. We have to tap into that. So my prayer lately is like, I know that I'm burnt. I know that I'm fried. I know that I got a two-year-old. So instead of complaining about my two-year-old, she's not even two yet. I'm, I thank God. God, thank, thank you for her. Yes, yeah, she's a little something. She's wearing me out. I'm going to be 44 years old. It's not as easy, God. But your Bible says that there's, there's joy there that's for me, that's full. I need that joy. Give me that joy. I need that peace. Give me that peace. Fill me up, God. So I, lately, I've just been saying, fill me up with your joy. Fill me up with your joy because your joy... That, that's in you, when, when it begins to 
manifests itself in the natural, people see that, and then they're like, yo, what's up with this dude? Because I know this dude was, I know, you know, I know he's, he's a Christian, but there's something different about him now. What's different about him now? He grabbed, he grabbed hold of a truth, and the truth that he grabbed hold of set him free. So now you can walk in the freedom for the truth that you access pertaining to the word of God. So it's not some idea, it's the word of God. The Bible says it. When I, before I preached, I said, Holy Spirit, bring to remembrance everything pertaining to the scripture. The scripture says that. Holy Spirit will come and bring to your remembrance everything pertaining to, the, to Jesus. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. So I know that my memory is not good. I could pray, God, increase my memory. Jesus touched my memory. But Holy Spirit, you're better than my memory. And the Bible says that you help me remember. So thank you that you're going to help me remember. And these are, these are truths that we can, we can take hold of because they're for us. Jesus says, it's better that I go. Why? So the Holy Spirit can get poured out on all flesh. And uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the Israelites not knowing that the glory of God was above them. They wanted to move. They wanted to be led, but it's like, hey, wait, because the glory of God is resting above you. The government of God is, is going to be established. You're going to learn how to move, because right now you don't know how to move, because I've been gone. I, the man of God has been gone like, not even 40 days, and you're acting crazy. So, like, hopefully that's helpful. Sorry. Got a little carried away there. But, um, all right, so... When we blame God for our disappointment, we run back to what's familiar. That's what Israel did. So there's, there, when we run back to things, we may not want to admit it because we're like, I don't blame God. But if you, if you run back to what's familiar, there's probably something there. And, and ask Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. There's probably something there because we, we always run back. Outside of the presence of God, we would always run back to what's familiar. And you know what familiar spirits are? Those are, the, those are the spirits that, that Jesus sets you free from, that they go around looking to and fro and they look for a dry place. But you know what? When they don't find one, what does the Bible say? They come back to its original home. So when they leave and they get the eviction notice, they go around looking for a place to go. And if they don't find one, they try to come back and they try to come back even stronger, seven times stronger, more aggressive. So, so the importance is to stay full. Stay full because they, those familiar spirits want to come back. They liked you. They don't let disappointment become an instrument of offense because offense can lead to apostasy, which is a totally turning away from God. That's why those 3,000 people died, because they, they completely turned away from God. They didn't repent. Familiar spirits like to enter through doorways of disappointment. So guard your heart. When I say your, I mean we, us. I just have it written like that. We have to guard our hearts. Because the, God's not going to guard our hearts for us. It's our responsibility to guard our hearts. When we, when we have things happen to us, when we have things uh, we think about, is, is, our, is the thought process, how we perceive, we have an antenna, right? That, that we take things in, whether it's through the eyes, whether it's through the ears, what people do to us, right? We have the option to take that and throw it aside. That's not for me. Or we, we take that and we deposit it in our heart. And then it becomes a feeling. So don't guard your hearts. Don't let, don't let disappointment, don't let offense, don't let any of that stuff have access to your life. Because really what that's going to do is going to bring a whole bunch of friends with it. And those friends aren't, aren't from the kingdom of God. So uh, leaders must have the courage to confront and not conform. 
even me as a, as a, as a business, business owner, this, this really like spoke to me. Because there's, there's been a lot of times that there's been things over the years that I, I should have confronted and I never confronted it. And I deal with the consequences of it. And you know, God is patient, but I, I want to turn this into prayer that I would have a righteous boldness, almost like Moses in, in that area, to be able to confront what, what Aaron didn't. Because really, like com confrontation is the love of God in that area because it's sanctified and is, root, is rooted in, in what's best for you. Like the other day, like I was sharing with, with Jay, like I had to give my son a spanking. And I was going through, I was like, I was like a little upset. Like, you know, like you try to like front, like, hey, you know, I gotta go give him a spanking. But like deep down as a fa father, like, dang, I gotta spank my, my son. Because two days before he did something stupid and I, and I went to give him the business and he was crying hysterical, really crying. Like, like you thought I was beating, beating the crap out of him. And, and I held back, I said, all right, next time you do it, I'm not gonna, your tears ain't gonna work. All right. So I let him go and I, and I felt bad and, and Erica actually thanked me because he was disrespectful to her and I, we don't raise him to be that way and it's my job to correct that, not, not hers. And I have to be that voice in his life when he gets older. He has to hear my voice in his conscience, which is a type and shadow of the father's voice, to bring correction, to know that there's consequences. What would my dad think about that? So a couple days later, he got stupid, did something stupid. So now I, I got on the phone. I'm like, when I come home, you got to deal with me. No! Like, you know, like he's like crying, having a meltdown. And, now, and I'm going through it. And, and I'm not going to say how, how I spank him, but like I, I make it to where like it's not abusive, but he knows that it hurts. So when I went home, he processed this all day. I said, come downstairs to the basement. We go to the basement. Because I didn't want him to wake up his sister if he cried. We go to the basement, and he goes. And he he's willfully went to accept the, the spanking on his behind. And I was like, dang. Like, he was like, I know. I did it. Like, he knew he did wrong. And I, I went. The first one I gave him a little, because he got disrespectful twice, so that's equivalent to two spankings. So <laughs> I, I, the first one, I gave him a little sauce on the first one. The second one, I gave him, I didn't give him enough sauce on the second one. And he was like, whoa, like, like, that was it? And I was like, dang, come back. I got to give you another one. He's like, no, no, no. But like, I was just like, wow, man, like, like he's starting to get it. But now if I don't address that, I create a little monster. And I don't want a little monster. I don't want a little gremlin. So like, we, we got to, it's part of, and when the father does that to us, it's almost like he teaches us through our kids. Like, just be like, my son was like, all right, I deserve that, you know? And um, so, yeah, hopefully that, that helps. I don't know why I went off on that. So, yeah, the courage. Leaders must have the courage to confront and not conform. As a high priest and brother to Moses, Aaron was in a position to confront the people, and he didn't. He could have offered a better way and failed. You know why? Sometimes in confrontation, we talk about preconceived notions. Sometimes we make up these ideas of what the result of that confrontation is going to be. And it's never the truth because the devil's a lie. The devil tries to put, you, put fear in you so you don't confront those things because he doesn't want things getting fixed. It's like how many times you walk and you see like Holy Spirit puts on you, pray for that person. You won't pray for that person because there's a fear that comes. That fear is from the enemy. That fear comes because there's probably, that person's probably going to receive you better than you think. And if he doesn't, then maybe God's teaching us to get over ourselves. 
Maybe we have to get over ourselves and not be so worried about ourselves in the process of being rejected. So disappointment revealed Egypt and Israel, but pressure revealed Egypt and Aaron. So you see that there's times where pressure as a leader, pressure is going to reveal something from God or reveal something that has to go. So hopefully that's helpful. In verse 2, the gold earrings represents bondage, slavery, a belonging to, like an ownership. Aaron took what represented bondage, the gold earrings, to bring free people, I was hit on that before, back into slavery. The molded calf seems to be the god uh, Apis. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It doesn't matter because he don't matter. But Apis, one of the oldest deities of the Egyptians in verse 5. All right, so verse 5 gives an example of how conformity will give birth to mixture. So when you conform, it'll give birth to mixture. Aaron uses the name of God when declaring a feast for an idol. So because he conformed and he didn't confront the people, that, led, that, that opened the door to compromise. That opened the door for mixture. So they mixed the things of God with the things of the world, which is not true worship. So idolatry would give birth to perversion. They ate, they got drunk, and rose up to play. That's all sensual. That's all flesh. That's all it shows about the appetite. The appetite they ate, they offered their, their, their false gods always need to be appeased. So they offered what they offered. They filled their bellies, the god of the bellies themselves, and then they went out to play. Now, they weren't playing tag. They went out to play. They went out to, to conduct themselves in a sexual and moral way, which is the way they would have worshipped those pagan gods. So the, so the people of God corrupted themselves when they went another way. And that's probably going to fall on Aaron. So as fathers, right, as fathers, people that are in leadership positions, God's always going to hold the, the person, uh, the leader, responsible. It's like a heavier weight. That's why everybody shouldn't preach the word, right? Because if, why should you be judged double for something that you're not ready for? That's why, you know, this is a, it's a big deal. Like when God puts people in your lives and he, and he gives you that responsibility, treat it as, as a big deal because we're going to have to answer later to it, especially men, husbands, fathers. Uh, all right. So mixture and disobedience will contaminate what God is doing. So that mixture and that disobedience contaminated what God wanted to do with his people at that specific time. We become stiff necked, which is difficult when we can't wait on God. When we can't wait on God, it shows that we're still stiff-necked. It shows like we're, we're no better than, than what, what the people was that the Israelites when they got brought out. So when we become difficult, we resist what God is doing. You know how you know there's a sign that there's, there's, this is going on in our lives? And God shows me this quite often with, with myself too, is when God offers you something, is there resistance? When God offers you something, is there a yes? When God opens the door for your spouse, is there, are you facilitating that? Do you encourage that? Or is there like a tug, like a no? Is there a resistance? So resistance is always the enemy um, not allowing you, right? Like trying to keep you from stepping through your, your breakthrough and moving forward. So I'm going to hit on uh, Apis or Hapis, Apis. 
He's a bull calf. So this was the God of fertility. This is probably why they went into the sexual immoral thing, because he was known as the God of fertility. So fertility doesn't happen without some uh, business happening. So the most important of all the sacred animals in Egypt. So he was a symbol of power and uh, entitled the renewer of life. The bull was considered to be a physical manifestation of the god uh, Ptah at Memphis. The cult of Apis goes back to the beginning of Egyptian history. Uh, Ptah was, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but like I said, it doesn't matter. The creator god and maker of the cosmos. So this is how they viewed him. So there, it says that uh, he was the patron of craftsmen and sculptures. You see that in um, how that was represented in Egypt. He was referred to, referred to as the begetter, the lord of truth. These are all like lies. A master of ceremonies, king of eternity, king of justice. You see how the devil's a copycat? He tries to, he wants worship and he tries to take what truly belongs to God. God who made himself God. These were all titles for him. God who made himself God. According to a Greek historian, um, Herod, I think it's Herodias, Herodias, or, a bolt of lightning came down from heaven and impregnated the, the mother of Apis. So you see that they were at a mountain and what was going on at that mountain, there was a fire, there was, there was lightning, there was thunder. So those people could have seen some, some like commentaries and some people believed that they could have seen that and it could have reminded them because they came out of Egypt of this God. And they could have looked at that as like, you know, him. And uh, I'm not saying that that's what it is. I'm saying that some people, that there's, they believe that that could be a, one of the things that led them astray. It's all demonic anyway. So it was believed that Apis was connected to the first and fifth uh, judgment plagues against the gods of Egypt. So verse 10 through 11, I'm trying, not to, I'm trying to get through this. I don't want to hold you guys any more captive. But verse 10 through 11, Moses is not tempted when offered. So this is going to model Moses' um, leadership. Moses is not tempted when God offered to make a great nation out of him. There was no selfish ambition. As a leader, we have to get that worked out of us, the selfish ambition. It's like God, I feel like God was, was testing him. And I feel like there's, there's always a temptation because it's the same word that's used for both. It's like, all right, I can make you a great nation. If he would have been like, yes, you know that, then selfish ambition is no, he didn't, he didn't want that. So Moses does what? He intercedes on behalf of Israel. So this is this should highlight for us. If we're going to um, be vessels for the Lord, got to get rid of selfish ambition. We have to learn how to intercede for the, for the people of God, the people that God put in our life, uh, our family members that don't know God. Intercede means to stand in the gap. There's people that, that we're believing for that, that don't know Jesus that are going to get saved, that are going to spend eternity with us. It's, it's one thing going through, the, we call it the Baptist prayer, you know, bless, bless mama, dada, you know, go through the whole night. You want to bless everybody. But, you know, real intercession comes where, they, where you really stand in the gap and you contend for certain people. Like, I'm going to contend for their salvation. I'm going to contend for their marriage. I'm going to contend for reconciliation. I'm going to contend for them to have children. I'm going to contend. So this is what Moses is doing on behalf of Israel. And it's, it's something that we can take and pull from. Like, all right, so selfish ambition intercedes. Mo Moses reminds God of Israel as his people because God at one point said, these are your people. And he says, no, they're not my people. They're your people. When God entrusts you with people, we always have to be mindful that they're not ours. They're his. So when you, when, when you recognize that they're not yours, that they're his, then you, you treat them with a, with, a, with a better level of respect. And you know how to release 
you know how to receive and you know how to release because in the kingdom of God, God will give you money to, to steward. He'll give you finances. You've got to steward your time, but he's going to give you people to steward. There's people that you, there are his people that he's entrusting to you that you have to manage those people well. And the, the point of that is that there's something God already has put in you that he wants to, you to impart to them so that when the time is ready, you learn to release them because they're going to what? The kingdom of God comes in a seed form. It reproduces after his own kind. So when you release them, they go and it's like they're going to do the same thing with someone else. So always help be mindful that they're his people, not ours. Moses reminds God that he brought them out of Egypt with a great power and a mighty hand. We have to remember that in our weakness, God strengthens us as his power. When we can't do things on our own, we have access to someone that's very able, very capable as his power, as his hand. Um, where am I? Moses was concerned about God's reputation, which is important. If we, if we are concerned with God's reputation, we're going to be concerned about how we live, how we walk. <coughs> Excuse me. I need a drink of water. Excuse me one second. And I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about a religious thing. But do people see Christ in you? Is, are you? Are you living a life that is worthy of the calling? And, and if, if not, this is not a condemnation thing. This is an invitation thing. God is always inviting us uh, to come forward and, and to, to, to bring us higher, to elevate us. Moses asked God to blot him out of his book if he wouldn't forgive their sins. As a type and, sh as a type and shadow of Jesus, is sacrificial love. So you see that Moses had no selfish ambition. He, was, um, he knew that they were God's people. He interceded. He was concerned about God's reputation. If you're concerned about God's reputation, you know what you're, you're going to be concerned about too? His heart. So then your prayers go from, from me, me, me to, to, to what's your desire. Which, so, so God reorders our prayer life. He reorders how we interact with people. He reorders our heart because really he's, he's in the renovation process of us internally, inwardly. Just kind of like a two-year-old and got all over my shirt. But. Um, all right, where am I? So, so, all right, so Aaron, now we're going to get some lessons from Aaron. So Aaron gives lessons on disobedience. Disobedience will always make excuses. Excuses are lies that make, I'll use, I'll say us, that make us feel better about our failures. So if we're, if we're in the business of excuses, those are just... Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.